<laughs> Good morning, everyone. How is everyone doing? <laughs> okay, I'm going to trust that you're doing great. <laughs> um, financial peace is coming again to our congregation. Evan's going to be leading it again. If you don't know what financial peace is, it is uh, God's Word explained in a way that makes sense to your finances. God has much to say about how we run our finances, and uh, I've taken it, I've listened to, not only gone through the course several times, many of our leadership have, many in our church body have, because financial debt is a burden. Can I hear an amen on that? Well, I guess you guys are doing pretty good. That was a very strong Amen. It is, and uh, financial peace is one of those tools that we can come alongside people and teach them God's word so that burden can be lifted. In fact, it's, it's kind of a segue into today's uh, uh, sermon. Um, Nate, can you put on the board the first slide? It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, that comes out of Galatians. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, it's interesting that this phrase, the law of Christ, is only mentioned one time in the entire Bible, and it's here, that there's this law of Christ, and Paul writes in such a way that he assumes that his readers understand what the law of Christ is. He offers no definition, he offers no explanation, but the New Testament is not silent on it. In fact, We should ask ourselves the question, what is then the law of Christ? And we just talked about financial burdens, and we're going to talk about burdens in general today. But we ask ourselves, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does the law of Christ actually refer to? I think we find it in the Good Samaritan. I know that many of you are familiar with that parable. We find the lawyer comes to Jesus and asks Jesus, uh, what the two greatest commands are and, uh, and uh, how does he understand it. And the man says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And then he says, and your neighbor is yourself. He doesn't even use the word love, but it is implied there that you are to love your neighbor as yourself. But wanting to justify who his neighbor was, because if we get to handpick who we love, the Christian walk is really easy. But when Jesus is telling us to love one another and to love our enemies and to love everyone, the, the, the lawyer wants to narrow down the definition of what a neighbor is. And, and uh, Jesus, understanding his heart, tells him this quick parable. He says, a man fell among some robbers, and they stripped him, they beat him, and they left him for half dead. And a priest came by and didn't want to have anything to do with them and walked around him. A Levite comes by and sees him, and he walks and skirts around him. But that good old, good-for-nothing, half-breed Samaritan, he sees this man, and he has compassion on him. And he goes, and he picks him up, and he binds up his wounds, and he gets him on his donkey. He takes him to an inn, and he pays for his stay. And he tells the innkeeper, I have to go, and I'm going to come back and check up on him. And whatever expense you've incurred, charge it to me when I get back. And then Jesus turns to the lawyer and says, of these three, the priest and the Levite and that no good Samaritan, that half-breed, who do you think proved to be the neighbor and showed the man mercy? And the lawyer probably sheepishly said, well, it was that Samaritan guy. And Jesus said, 
Yes, now go and do likewise. So, could this law of Christ really have to do with loving people? Just loving people? Is, is it that simple? I think so. In the upper room, we find Jesus, and he's going to give his disciples some final instructions. And when Jesus says something once, it's, it's important. Wouldn't you agree? Jesus says it's important. But in this particular dinner, he's going to say this phrase three times. I think it has a lot of importance. If Jesus is going to mention it three times within the span of a few minutes, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. A few minutes later, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And even a few minutes later, he says this, these things I command you so that you will love one another. And Paul, the writer Paul, he, he has some things to say in Romans. In fact, he, he mentions it three times in Romans. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And then I love this phrase, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Romans 15 says, We who are strong have an obligation. Check this out, because it has some of the words that were up in that text. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves, but let each of us please his neighbor for his good and to build him up. In Galatians, Ephesians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Paul again will write, love one another. Writer of Hebrews says, let us consider how to stir one another to love. Peter will write it in his epistles as well, love one another. And six times John will write it in First and Second John that we are to love one another. I think we know what the law of Christ is. It is to love one another as Christ loved us. Now, with that context in mind, with that understanding in mind, I need you to turn your Bibles to Galatians to our text. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to pick it up at verse 1 and read six verses together. Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1 of reading through verse 6. Brothers, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. And let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. I don't know about you, but this is a little confusing. It seems like Paul is jumping around on these topics. He talks about somebody caught in in sin, and then he talks about bearing somebody's burdens, and then it says don't think so so much of yourself, and, and then... You need to share the good things with the people that teach you. And it just seems all kind of convoluted for a moment. But let's just kind of back the lens up and, and see the bigger picture here for just a moment. And let's, 
let's do our first fill in the blank and then talk about it. I think we will all agree that we all have burdens. And that's the first fill in the blank. We all have burdens. And this passage is really talking about burdens. Spiritual, and it can include physical burdens as well. We all have burdens. Now, there are some things about those burdens, though. And the next fill in the blank is this. Some are self-inflicted. And let me just call it what it is, sinful behavior. Sometimes when we are caught in sin, and the word caught, by the way, means that it, it, it didn't just happened, that it, it was like a stronghold. It, it came a, a, a upon you suddenly, and, and now you're trapped in it. You're caught in it, almost like a trap. may mean that the person was actually seen committing the sin, but the understanding is that the person was caught or snared or trapped by the sin itself. Now, Paul equates someone caught in sin as one who is shouldering a heavy burden. Someone caught in a web of sin is struggling to be free, to be set free of the stronghold. Let's be honest, after a season of sin, few people want to stay in it. Truthfully, people that are in a season of sin and after the the fun is, is gone, few people want to carry shame. Few people want to carry guilt and rejection and brokenness. They just don't know what to do about it. I've had people in, in my office that have shared their stories, and, and it's just like they, they don't know how to get out of it. They understand that they're trapped, but they don't see their way out of it. Very few, few people I know want to stay in sin because they've tasted its ugliness. They've tasted the dysfunction. They've tasted it, and they see how it ruins their relationships, and they struggle to find a way out. That's a burden. Let me tell you, that is a burden. And Paul equates that verse 1 with verse 2, and that is those who are caught in a trap, a bear trap of sin, and they want to get out. They don't know how. They're trapped. How can they have victory in a race when they're carrying a mountain on their backs? Helping bear this kind of burden means restoring them to victory. Helping them succeed is helping them to bear their burden helping them to have victory. And then some I mean some burdens aren't about sin. They're just about the world. Some burdens are caused by other people in your life. Beat up by the world. Some burdens are caused by other people. It has nothing to do with how good you are or how bad you are. God's not punishing you. You are just carrying a burden. It might be in your marriage. It might be in your finances. It, it, it might be in, in your work environment. Maybe it's your, the struggle, your burden is, is who you are right now, trying to find who you are. We all carry different kinds of burdens. You know, we're afflicted in every way, Scripture says, but, but we're not crushed. Some of you, some of us right now feel very afflicted. There are things going on in your life that are causing you great pain. And you're carrying a burden. Scripture also says that we're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. Some of us are perplexed today. Life is spinning out of control, and we don't know which way is up and which way is down. And there's no clarity. 
And that's a burden. In fact, Monday morning is met with a grimace because you're afraid of what the week's going to hold. Some of us are persecuted, but we're remembering that we're not forsaken. Some of us are undergoing character assassinations. And all you've done at your workplace or all you've done in your family or all you've done is try to carry the fragrance of Christ around on you. All you've tried to do is be kind and what you get is character assassination. Especially when it's child custody stuff. Oh my stars. Talk about the ugliness of ugliness. Or maybe you've been struck down but you know you're not destroyed. Some of us are struck down physically. Some of, some of you are carrying a burden that is physical in nature. It might be an illness. It, it, it may be an emotional illness. It, it may be something that is, is physical in nature, or it may be spiritual in nature. Discouraged, depressed, beat up, left for half dead on the side of the road. And we all carry burdens. Some self-inflicted, sometimes they're just coming our way because that's the world we live in. We live in a fallen world. Now with that context, let's look at verse 2 again. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Pretty simple. Here's the fill in the blank. We are to bear one another's heavy loads. The word for burden in this verse is, is this, a Greek word, and not try to impress people that there's, there's a Greek word there, because <laughs> there is a Greek word, but it, it's going to be significant. It's the word baros, B-A-R-O-S, if we were to transliterate it. It means something heavy, something that's pressing down on you, something that is taxing your strength, something that is just making you weak, and it's just bearing down on you. It's this heavy, heavy load. Now, verse 3 almost seems out of place. Look at it again with me. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I mean, he just tells us to bear one another's burdens. And then he says, and if you think you're high and mighty, you're deceiving yourself. What does that have to do? It means this. Don't think you're too good to help someone. Don't think that you're too good to help someone. Don't think so highly of yourself that helping a fallen brother caught in a burden is beneath you. Helping someone doesn't always look nice. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's, it's smelly. Sometimes people don't play nice. And in the kingdom of God, Jesus is everything and we are nothing. So Paul is just reminding us that he gives us this charge to help bear one another's burdens, and then he gently reminds us not to think too highly of ourselves that we are somehow beneath helping those that come into the church. That's significant. I don't know, I hope everyone has to clean their own bathroom from time to time. Seriously. Because if you think somehow you're above cleaning your own bathroom, then maybe you think you're above helping somebody that is a little different, that comes into our body. Somebody that struggles with a sin that you've never struggled with. 
Maybe you look at them and and they don't dress like you or smell like you or bathe like you or dress like you. And you suddenly may see them carrying a burden, but somehow you're above helping that fellow brother, sister, or stranger out in the world. And Paul is just reminding us, fulfill the law of Christ, love one another, bear each other's burdens, and don't think so highly of yourself that you can't help. Oh, now he's stepping on our toes a little bit. And then he reminds us, verse 4, here's the fill in the blank. God doesn't grade on a curve, guys. Verse 4 says this, let each one test his own work and then have reason to boast. And not in his neighbor. We are to compare each other to one another. We're not in competition. We're to examine our own work. And if we compare it to Christ, then we have no reason to brag whatsoever. It's a little confusing. We're told to carry one another's burdens, and we're told to examine our own work. Don't you see, at least in my mind, it's a little confusing. But then verse 5 brings it all together. There's clarity here. Look what verse 5 says. Verse 5 says this, For each will have to bear his own load. Some of your texts will say, You'll have to carry your own burden. And then you say, well, stop, stop the presses for a second. Verse 2 says we're supposed to carry each other's burdens, and then it says in verse 5 that we're to carry our own burden. What's he talking about? Ah, it's a different Greek word. It's a word that refers more to a backpack, something that only you can be responsible for. It is this amazing, and so he, that, that, that fill in the blank is we are to bear our own backpack. It's the word fortune, not baros, and it means something to be born or carried without reference to weight. Everyone has their own backpack of burdens, the part that they are to carry. Let me give you an example of what this looks like. Let's say... A, a couple comes to you or comes into the church or comes into your life group or comes into my office or into Mike's office or Evan's office or Stoney's office and a couple comes in and they've got a burden. It may be spiritual in nature. Maybe it's physical in nature. Maybe they are out of control in their finances and Evan is able to say, hey, I can help ease this burden. I'm going to teach you about financial peace. Or maybe it's marital issues. Maybe it's parenting issues. Maybe it's someone that's struggling with an addiction. Maybe they can't seem to to stop using meth and they know it's destroying their life. Maybe it's a young man or an older man who says, I'm letting pornography destroy my marriage. I need help. Those are some burdens that we can come and give them the word. What does God say about these things? What does God say about parenting? What does God say about finances? What does God say about your marriage? What does God say about your, your thinking, whether it's right or is it wrong? What does God say about all these different things? And not only what does God's word say, but the strength that it imparts to somebody. Now, when they leave your life group or they leave the office or they leave the church building, we have been able to come and stand next to them. But they still have to walk out their own backpack. 
I can help the one that's an addiction by shouldering their burden, but eventually they have to walk it out. I can help somebody study for a test, but I can't take the test for them. Are you with me on this? And that's why Paul says we are to bear these heavy burdens with one another, and then three verses later say, but each person must carry his own backpack. And so that kind of means, okay, that means I'm not supposed to fix you, but I am supposed to take you to the Word. And that's going to come evident in just a moment. Helping someone by shouldering the heavy load doesn't mean carrying it for them. Even Jesus spoke of that when he said these words, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, and my load, my backpack, that's the word he uses, is light. Even Jesus says, Yoke up with me, I'll give you the strength to have victory, I will help you shoulder the burden, but you have to get in the yoke with me. As much as we would like to carry the burden for people, you can't do that or you enable them, but you can help them bear it. Now verse 6 makes a whole lot more sense. Go back to the text. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. By teaching and sharing truths from God's Word, by coming alongside a person that's struggling, by encouraging them, instructing them, being their cheerleader with God's promises, now the fill in the blank is, let him who helped carry the burden, really it's bear the burden, share in the victory. You know how inspiring is when somebody comes in and says, guess what, we got out of debt because of God's Word? You know how exciting it is when somebody says, man, I feel that God's presence was with me in the hospital because you were praying for me. I got up this morning and was so discouraged and then I remembered your awesome love for me and you sent me a text at the right moment, at the right time, saying the right things and suddenly I had the strength to get up, put on my backpack and shoulder this heavy burden. Let him who bared the burden share in the victory. When the heavy burden is lifted, share with the one who helped bear the burden. Now last week we talked about a core value in our church, and that is lost people matter to God, and therefore they matter to us. And really we have a core value, another core value. We have ten core values that we teach in FCC and me. But number two is this. The church then is a trauma center for wounded people. The church family bears people who are burdened. I don't know if I can butcher the footprints, footprints in the sand, <laughs> but there are times when you, we carry people, but the burden's still on their back. And I know Psalm says, cast all your burdens upon the Lord and He will care for you, and He does. But He uses you and I to do it. We don't live in a vacuum. We don't live isolated. We live in a church family. And the church is a trauma center for wounded people. And the role of doctors and nurses are to help get others well, 
to heal, to make whole, who are sick and wounded and burdened. But could you imagine a doctor when you come into the hospital or you come into his office, he or she says, I'm sorry, I'm not going to help you because you're sick and I'm not. It doesn't even make sense. That's why I like the analogy that the church is a trauma center for wounded people. It should not surprise you that when burdened people, people that are caught in sin or people just with heavy loads on them, Come needing Jesus, we are the hands and feet that help them bear the burden. When we bear burdens for one another, because we all have burdens, I, I want that to be understandably clear. There's nobody here without a burden. There's nobody here that struggles with sin. There's nobody here that struggles with physical burdens or emotional burdens because we live in a fallen world. And if we think that we're all going to live isolated lives and we all have to do this in our own strength and power, we don't understand what the church is because the church is a trauma center for wounded people. And sometimes you will be a doctor and sometimes you will be the patient. That is what discipleship is. Life on life. Speaking truth into one another's life through the word. See, that's the clue in the text. We don't come along and give them Dr. Phil's opinion of life. We definitely don't come along and say, well, this is what Oprah says about your marriage. We say, no, this is what the word says. This is what the word says. And it's promises. And it's strength. And it's cleansing power. And it's awesomeness that will come into your life and change you from the inside out. That's what this is. And that's why verse 6 says, He who was taught the word needs to then turn around and share the victory with the one who taught. The patient comes back to the doctor and says, Doctor, guess what? I'm healed. That's what being in a church is about. That's a core value. So we are to embrace one another. We are to come alongside one another. We are to teach one another. We are to reproof one another. We are to correct one another. We are to train in righteousness one another. We are to encourage one another. Sometimes all we need is knowing that somebody's got our back. Are you with me on this? You know, sometimes ministry is tough. Just nod your head, please. It's tough sometimes. And when I know that my wife has my back, when I know Jesus has my back, when I know leadership has my back, I can trudge through a lot of junk. You can trudge through a lot of junk when you know that somebody is helping you bear a burden. Because that's what the church is about. We are to help bear one another's burdens. We stand with one another. We cry with one another. We pray for one another. We comfort one another. We strengthen one another. We love one another and so fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes that looks like texting. Sometimes that's just having some meetings during the week. That means you have divine appointments that God suddenly directs you and you speak truth into a person's life they may not receive it the first time they may not receive it the third time they might not ever receive it but you are going to be faithful to help bear their burdens by speaking god's word into their life 
because that fulfills the law of Christ. I love what Ecclesiastes says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another one to lift him up. We are not perfect. We are all wounded. We're all burdened. And we come and we speak truth to one another through God's word that gives us strength to go through another day and to have victory. We believe that the church is a trauma center for wounded people. We believe biblical community is where we bear one another's burdens the best. Learning, growing, strengthening one another in the word. Don't assume that everybody that walks in here has a Pollyanna life. We all have burdens. And if you come home to your church family, whether it's Sunday morning, Wednesday night, or any other time, I hope it's a safe place. Because there's doctors and nurses and patients here. And sometimes, like I said, you're the doctor and sometimes you're the patient sometimes you're the nurse. But we all leave with our heavy burdens. Catch this. We all leave, when we leave the family of God from a physical standpoint, we all hopefully will feel that our burden is a little lighter because we were loved on. We are to love one another. And when we love one another, it shows up in so many different ways. Coming alongside somebody that's struggling, struggling maybe in a sin, and, and that, there's a whole other thing to do about church discipline and all of that. Now, we didn't have time to, get, to go there today. But you who are caught, that are trapped in a, in a stronghold of sin, we are here to help you have victory. To restore you, not to condemn you. To, to bring you to the word that will give you strength. Because we love one another. I, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what kind of burden you came in this door with, but I hope that when you leave here, you will feel lighter in your burden because the word was spoken to you. I'm going to ask that you stand, and we're going to sing a song of decision. I surrender all. Always appropriate. I hope every time with, when you're with the body of Christ that you leave the presence knowing and feeling that you have been loved on and that you had a chance to love on someone else. That's what gathering on Sunday morning is about. Not checking our scorecards. It's about loving one another and feeling loved and knowing you're loved and having the strength because of the words of Christ spoken to you to go out and to shoulder your backpack and to help another with heavy load.